Welcome to Streams of Progress, where we bring you weekly conversations with many of the UAE's prominent leaders and thinkers. Each of our guests are actively contributing to the vitality of the UAE community and economy. Our goal in the podcast is to inspire you to drive progress in your professional and personal life. Hi, everyone. This is Matt. And today on Streams of Progress, I'm joined by Isabel Abulhul, who is the CEO and trustee of the Emirates Literature Foundation and the director of the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. During the discussion, Isabel shares the story of how the Literature Festival was born, as well as what we can expect from the 10th anniversary of the festival in 2018. She also shared her views on the enduring importance of literature to our societies and culture. So join us as we dive into the conversation. So I'm glad to be here with Isabel Abulhul, who is the CEO and trustee of Emirates Literature Foundation and the director of the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. So welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Of course. Thank you. We're very glad to have you here with us. And um, so we're very excited about the upcoming Festival of Literature. Um, it's coming in, as we're recording here, 22 days away, so a short time. So I imagine this is a very hectic time for you. It's uh, nonstop at the moment. The last sort of three weeks in the run-up to uh, the annual event are always uh, absolutely action-packed and so many things to sort out. No matter how much planning you do in advance, there are still the last-minute things that uh, mean that everyone is running around madly at this time. (laughs) Of course. And particularly with this being the 10-year anniversary of the Festival of Literature, um, you know, incredible events that you have planned. Yes, yes. I mean, it is... uh, It has been a fantastic journey over the last 10 years to arrive at today and to see the growth of the festival. And it's very much a homegrown event. You know, from the beginning, it started life here and um, it's grown from uh, quite modest uh, beginnings to becoming one of the most uh, awarded literary festivals in the world. So that's a fantastic accolade for Dubai and for our patron, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, um, whose vision has sort of really shaped the festival and the foundation from its earliest um, birth. So before you began with the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature, um, there are lots of other things that you were able to accomplish here in your career and here in the UAE. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So, well, um, I grew up in Cambridge in the United Kingdom um, and very fortunate, had a, you know, a wonderful childhood My parents were both avid readers. Cambridge is spoilt for choice in terms of libraries and bookshops. Mm. Um, And I got bitten uh, by the bug of reading at a very young age. Sure. Um, And um, it became a sort of a driving passion for me, Um, reading, literature, getting others to read. So I arrived in Dubai in 1968, and I taught at the uh, Dubai Infant School, and then once um, uh, we had children of our own, I stopped work. But the first question that a parent always considers is, where are my children going to go to school? Mm. You know, is there a school that is um, uh, going to be as good as I want it for them? So we set about uh, co-founding the Itihad Private School, which was a school where every classroom had an Arabic and an English teacher and it was very modern and very um, in the best possible sense you know it was it had taken all the latest teaching Mm -hmm. methods um, and incorporated it and then once that was um, uh, finished and was up and running uh, the next thing 
was that we co-founded Magrudy's, which started off life as an uh, educational toy shop, but from the very beginning um, stocked books, mm -hmm. uh, children's books. And, you know, then the book side of um, our business, whilst toys are still very important and something I love, books became more and more important. And so, you know, from children's books, we got mother and baby books, and then we got cookery books, and then fiction, and then, you know, in the end, gave in and opened, <laughs> opened a separate bookshop. Sure. Um, and uh, because I'd been... Uh, so exposed and read so much mm -hmm. um, it was easy for me to put together selections of what a bookshop I had no experience of retail I hasten to add but you know um, I had a good idea about the product and I think that's really important I had the passion and I had the knowledge of product uh, of you know, the, the, the lovely thing about books is that the backlist, as they call it, form, you know, the backbone of a bookshop. So I knew what a backlist should be. I knew mm -hmm. which books we, you know, we, we, it was essential to carry. Um, and then it was a case of learning um, about the trends in publishing, making the connections with all of the uh, publishers. Um, and this was before, obviously, pre-internet, pre-even fax or, or telex. Yeah. So everything was done. You know, I would type letters and they'd be posted and we'd wait for the catalogues and wait for the uh, responses. So it, wow. was a, it was a different world in many <laughs> different ways. And then after that, I believe you also founded your own uh, book publisher. Is that yes, correct? Yes, so yes. So, so um, I got quite frustrated that I couldn't find uh, the kind of quality of books for children that mm -hmm. I wanted in, in Arabic. So I thought, well, we'll start a publishing company, mm. Jebba Books, which we did. And we published about, I think, uh, 200 titles in Arabic and English that were for children either from the region or living in the region mm -hmm. so that they, you know, that the, the scenes would be familiar to them. I was particularly interested in the younger age group um, picture books. So in some cases, we bought rights mm -hmm. for the editions in Arabic. Some, case, uh, some cases, uh, the right, you know, we got the writers, we selected writers and uh, illustrators and just started um, producing things. And I, I did realise quite soon into starting the publishing company how... Um, how many skill sets it required and they were not skill sets that I had it's very technical publishing is very technical if you break it down into its different components mm -hmm. so that was a very interesting journey and then from that um, uh, the festival came and again it was a chance meeting a chance conversation that led to the idea of the festival literary festival um, and then speaking to Emirates Airline um, uh, to see if they were interested in sponsoring it and becoming the title sponsor mm -hmm. and if you could tell us just a little bit more about how the idea was born to create this festival Yes, so um, an, an, another bookseller was passing through Dubai and um, uh, he'd, he'd passed through uh, a couple of years earlier. So he came in um, to have a cup of coffee and he was on his way to India and his travelling companion asked me, does Dubai have a literary festival? And I said no. Hmm. Um, and then we got talking about wouldn't that be a good idea? And so they then left and I had to go home. I'd got a, um, I'd organized a ladies lunch at home. So we had a, and it was artists and writers and, um, uh, you know, other people who were um, very much into culture. Mm. And so at the, towards the end of the lunch, one of the ladies said to me, oh, this must have been like 
Christina Foyles, uh, of Foyles Bookshop. Yes. She was famous for giving uh, literary lunches, and I said, oh, it's nothing like that, but it's really strange you should say that, because Christina Foyle's nephew was with me earlier um, on his way to India, and he, um, we had a conversation about does Dubai have a literary festival? And so uh, this lady and I were talking and said, um, uh, it doesn't, but wouldn't it be a good idea? Anyway, a couple (laughs) of days later, um, I got a thank you letter. And uh, in it, she also said, why don't you pitch this idea to Emirates? Now, she was the wife of the late Sir Maurice Flanagan, who was vice chairman of Emirates. So with her blessing, I then um, uh, approached Sir Maurice Flanagan and... um, he gave the um, green light for Emirates to sponsor the festival. Um, and he himself was an award-winning playwright and poet. And so it was very dear to his heart, mm. uh, the festival. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so from there, you had the green light to go ahead with the festival, and it's grown year over year, Yes, coming now to uh, you know the 10th anniversary. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the festival this year um, and what we can expect to see. So we've got 10 packed days uh, to celebrate the 10th anniversary. We have 180 authors from 47 nations coming to celebrate literature in all its forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the festival is the largest uh, event of its kind in the Arab world of the written and spoken word. And the key words that we like to emphasize are enjoyment and pleasure. Mm. I think it's really, really important that people come along and have a good time. This is not boring lectures. This is not, oh, you know, come along, it's good for you, you'll learn things. This is about actually engaging your brain, but at the same time having an enjoyable time um, and looking at books in that light. Mm-hmm. And when somebody comes to the festival, what can they expect to, to see and participate in? Um, they can expect the unexpected. So <laughs> okay. I think what happens is that the festival will get under your skin and you'll come away changed. And it's quite difficult to appreciate how much can go on mm-hmm. um, over the course of 10 days. So there'll be 200 plus sessions on every conceivable subject mm. for every interest for every age group across nationalities we have simultaneous translations so it is um an amazing buzz about about the place because you will see you know the ua has 200 na- nationalities living side by side in yes. harmony and i think the festival is a real uh, nugget of seeing that in action where people from all over the world are residing in Dubai, they've flown in for the festival and everyone gets on and people can agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be um, you know, quite heated, heated discussions on stage between various authors or um, audience questions and um, just to be part of that um, is, is thrilling. And um, one of the events I'm so uh, proud and pleased of is the For the Love of Words Poetry Night at Dubai Opera, which is on Tuesday, the 6th of March at 8 pm. And it's a lineup of poets from the UK and also the UAE um, who will never have performed together. Mm before and are unlikely to ever perform together again so it's a once-off lifetime opportunity to see these magnificent uh, uh, performance poets on mm-hmm. on in an iconic setting um, and I'm I'm just can't wait for it poetry is a very important medium 
uh, in this part of the world. But what's been interesting is over the last probably eight to nine years, how important performance poetry has become um, in the rest of the world. It's a, it's a sort of a dying tradition, but it's come right back uh, mm -hmm. to center stage. Mm -hmm. In addition to the live events, there's also seminars and workshops where people can go to learn. Is yes, that right? Yes. And we've so, got lots yeah. of... Um, We've got lots of creative writing classes, um, whether you're writing um, non-fiction, whether you're writing fiction, whether you're writing crime. We've got illustration workshops. We've got Islamic uh, design, geometric design workshops. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got journalism workshops. So um, any would-be writer or illustrator, come along and try out one of these, one of these courses because... Um, they are a fantastic introduction into, you know, setting off uh, and creating your own masterpiece. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And we all feel like we have a book inside of us, don't we? That's true. That's true. It's how you get it out, really, that is the, the difficult thing. Um, and often it's making that, making that decision to go along to one of these masterclasses and then just making a start because um, we can, but you sometimes just need that little push mm -hmm. to, 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 you know, really, really get going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of the values that the, the festival is founded on? So you, you mentioned the open debate or discussion among, you know, people of very different nationalities, backgrounds. And uh, so what are the other things that you hope to promote? Um, a very, very key part of uh, the festival and the foundation's vision is getting young people mm. to read for pleasure mm -hmm. outside of the classroom because um, it is every child's birthright to be lit literate. And in, in this part of the world, that's not a problem. But they may be literate, but they may not read for pleasure or they may not read at all. Mm -hmm. And we want to give them the opportunity to find the excitement and the enjoyment and, and, and the sort of ideas that, that you will get by reading. So it is a key part of the festival to make sure that we get to as many young people as possible. So as well as having some fantastic children's authors and illustrators and comic book writers, um, we make sure that we take authors out into the school community, out into the education community to get to as many people as possible. So last year, Authors spoke to more than 25,000 students in addition to the 44,000 visitors wow. who came along. Uh, and so, you know, it is growing time and time. And we receive countless letters back mm. um, from uh, teachers, from parents, from students themselves saying that the festival has changed their life. It's set them off on another course. Um, it's opened up doors that were closed before. So when we hear these things, we know we're on the right track. Of course. And you're inspired to keep going from year to year yes. and, and keep moving forward. Um, I'll tell you, I have a two and a half year old little girl and uh, she loves to read. And one of her favorite books is um, Giraffes Can't Dance. Oh, And I yes. believe uh, the author and uh, yes. the illustrator is going to yes, be here yes, this year. Gary right? Northfield. Yes. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Yes. yes. Um, and I think that's what you find that if young children are exposed to books in a loving environment with their parents at home, they have the best possible start. They look on books as 
as you know something they can't do without they will run you will see little toddlers running to the bookshelf or to pick a book up and bring it back to mummy and daddy to mm -hmm. read to them and they want to have the same book time and time again which yes. is the familiarity of the sound it means that those children who are lucky enough will have a much more extensive vocabulary because they're exposed to um, so many more words that are contained in books mm. they'll have a greater understanding of the world around them so they might not have seen an elephant but they will see an elephant in a book or it will be talking about um, you know animals or peoples from different parts of the world um, but they can learn about that in a book uh, it, reading regularly means that children grow up with more empathy they're more understanding more tolerant of others so these are really key values and if you are a good reader you will excel in so many other subjects just because of that mm -hmm. and you will continue to excel for the rest of your life mm -hmm. absolutely which is exactly what we're trying to instill you know, in our, in our own daughter. Um, I wanted to ask beyond the festival, which is such an intense period of time and so much goes into that. And we'll get into a little bit of the logistics later. Um, but I wanted to ask during the rest of the year, how does the uh, foundation continue to, to contribute here in the Dubai community? Yes, well, we have a huge sort of program of um, smaller events that, that across the whole of the year mm -hmm. um, and are driven by the Emirates Literature Foundation. So we have regular book groups in Arabic and English. Mm. We have book groups for children, um, both primary and uh, teenagers. So we're trying to cater and get them reading books that perhaps they might not necessarily know about or choose. Mm -hmm. um, and book groups are a fabulous way of... Um, of, of coming a bit outside your comfort zone, whether you're a child, a teenager, or an adult, they are a um, great vehicle for uh, having intelligent discussion around a book you've read, disagreeing about what you think the book may means, mm. disagreeing about which is your favorite character, but all of this is very healthy debate. So those are things that we do on a monthly basis. We have creative writing uh, courses going on throughout the year. We have um, authors sometimes traveling, they're on their way to somewhere else, they stop in Dubai and we organize a, a talk around the time that they're here. Um, and we have a huge students program um, so we have the Oxford University Press, Press Short Story Competition, mm. which is open to students between the ages of 8 to 23 in full-time education, the Ta'aleem Poetry Prize, the Chevron Readers' Cup, which is... Um, has been an amazing competition that grows year on year. Um, and that's where teams of four from schools, not only in the Emirates, but in the Gulf region, um, read uh, books of authors who are attending the festival, and then they have to answer uh, a series of questions that get more and more difficult. Mm. And we hold the, we hold the finals um, during the festival. Okay. We have the Monte Grappa First Fiction Prize, which is for adults who have not yet had a book published. Mm. Um, and we've had incredible success uh, with getting winners and shortlisted authors over the years, uh, international publishing contracts. So, so we're trying to see and explore as many ways as possible for keeping... Um, the community engaged year-round yes. with anything to do with literature. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you have an incredible agenda packed full throughout the year. It's not just the festival. No. Um, but it does take a lot of time and effort to plan a festival. So tell us a little bit about how does that work from the, the management side? Yes, it takes a huge amount of time and a huge amount of planning. Mm. I think it's attention to detail that is so important when planning any big event mm -hmm. um you have to really be able to look at each tiny little thing um and break it down um 
into all its components and make sure that you've thought through um, the practical aspects of what your theoretical plan is and then put plan B in place. So the festival um, from its early beginnings to the delivery of the festival is an 18-month process. Mm. So we're already working on 2019 as we come into the... So we started last year on that because we need that time to engage with... um, renowned authors um, who get booked up so far in advance so so that's when the process so it's selecting authors it's looking at who would complement them so we might have an author coming then we think ah what about the illustrator and so on and so forth or we have the illustrator and then we think about the author Um, we think about uh, uh, we study very much feedback that's come from audiences and authors Mm -hmm. um, to see uh, what people are interested in, what are the current trends in, in uh, novels, writing, is there a new genre coming out, um, what do the librarians at school say the children are really keen you mm-hmm. know, on reading and would that author be able to come? So we take an awful lot of time gathering the research, um, listening to what audiences and others um, concerned parties have to say um, and that helps us shape the festival mm-hmm. and the sooner we have our author lineup confirmed the sooner we can start on getting down to the detail of the program what they're doing when they come um are they doing you know an education day session in which case we need to match them up with a school or university for them to give their talks and so on mm. and so forth okay you just mentioned uh recent trends and developments in the field of literature you yes. know and and uh my question is really around what are your thoughts on pop literature and you know literature for teens and things like that versus the classics and how how has that developed over time and where do you see trends going? Um, well, I think we have seen a huge uh, change, a sea swell of change from when Harry Potter was first published. Mm. So that from children's literature uh, being sort of pushed to the back of a dusty bookshop shelf, um, coming absolutely to the forefront and being a very important part of literature and publishing and and an area that publishers can confidently um, make money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we have J.K. Rowling to start, but there's been so many other ones from The Hunger Games to John Green that are really getting young people reading and it's um, also a hip and cool thing to do mm-hmm. whereas before um, you know children who were reading were considered slightly nerdy right. so I mean I'm so grateful to JK Rowling and those that have followed that have got young people reading um, avidly for pleasure now we've got the you know the the, the new names the new bestsellers the mm-hmm. latest books published but I would also encourage Uh, teenagers to really look at some of the classics of literature because um, not all of them have stood the test of time but so many of them have Mm -hmm. and I think to really benefit you've got to have read widely not just the books that are published last year or the year before or 10 years before but go back and um, you know get a recommendation from a school from a teacher from a librarian from your parents about books that they read and maybe you will enjoy them too mm-hmm. exactly I remember when I was in high school like the required reading list included the Scarlet Letter yes. in 1984 yes. among others um, and I was wondering has that 
list changed over time, or are students still required to kind of read those um, classics? I think um, that 1984 had a complete resurgence um, when Trump came to power. <laughs> sure. Um, that, 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 that was sort of, you know, um, uh, they were selling it got right back into the top top 20 mm. which is which is unsurprising because the message of 1984 is still as strong today as it ever was and sure. it was very prescient of um, George Orwell to foresee uh you know the big brother and 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 the sort of you know 24 hour surveillance sure. uh, back in 1948 i mean it it was um a novel that has absolutely stood the test of time i, I think that um school reading list now contain some of the more modern um, writers, mm -hmm. but there is still um, a lot of the um, best classics um, on, on the list because they are still relevant. I mean, I was um, uh, talking recently about um, To Kill a Mockingbird, yes. and I do believe that that book is still um, one that we should read and, and understand because the issues that are you know, prevalent in the book are still being felt today. Mm -hmm. And really, it is the power of literature and the power of the written word. Um, and so now we live in a culture where it's all quick hits on the social media and the apps and the phone and all of that. Um, but taking the time to sit down and read, you know, a hardcover book or mm -hmm. a real book with paper um, is something that I personally treasure, and I know, many, you know millions of people around mm -hmm. the world do. Um, what are your thoughts about contrasting that versus the e-books and all this, you know, the electronification of reading? Yeah. Well, I think there's sort of two things there. I think it's um, um, young people's attention plan, a span mm is definitely not, um, it's shorter than it used to be. And a lot of that is because um, we live in a very fast-paced world where things are changing. So we're, we're, we're skimming the surface. We're not going into things in depth, you know, in the sort of, I mean, um, if you think back, you know, to the 1950s when young boys, say, in UK, would spend their holidays or their weekends standing by a level crossing and writing down the numbers of trains that mm. um, would go past, you know, the engine. Each engine had a, had a number and they would collect that. And um, they would have these, you know, the stamp collecting hobbies and all of those, you know, collecting little model cars and so on. Um, because they had the time to do that and the time to just stand about and, um, you know, let the world pass them by. Well, in today's world, you don't have that. You know, everything mm. is of the minute. You could get 24-hour news. You know what's happening. Wherever you are in the world, you will be able to pick up uh, something on the other side of the world. So that impacts on um, the way that uh, that young people are, um, are, are taking in their information. And I think that more emphasis on them reading proper books, um, longer books, rather than just, you know, reading a, a short pricey on, um, from Google or wherever yes. they would get it from, it is really important. And it will train them to have, a, you know, a deeper sense of concentration and deeper understanding of things that are going. But, but they've got to... They've got to develop a stamina for reading mm -hmm. in the way that you develop a stamina for sports. It is exactly the same thing. You've got to train your brain to be able to focus on that. And so you read, you know, you might read an hour today, then you pick up the book where you left it an hour tomorrow and so on. Um, uh, it's not instilled in young people in quite the same way as it was when I was, I mm -hmm. was growing up.
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a stack of four or five books by the bedside uh, table that I'm planning to read or yes. you know, halfway through. Uh, what are your recommendations for dealing with that and what's your approach to reading? Um, well, I always have probably more than one book on the go at any one time, a bit like you, and I do have that pile. Um, so I will sort of set myself a task to read I read at least two books a week hmm. but then I'll read a review often I'll read a review of a book and I immediately will then go and download it on my Kindle because it could be in the middle of the night so hmm. I do have a Kindle and I think Kindles are great for um, being able to get free sample chapters to see if you like something yes. but also be able to get that, that book there and then wherever you are in the world you can just download it great for travelling because it's just one thing and you can but the experience of reading on a Kindle is subtly different from reading a physical book mm. um, and I foolishly downloaded a book um, that was a sort of a you know healthier eating etc um, kind of book which I'm always quite interested in mm-hmm. um, and I thought I'll download it and then of course realized it was ridiculous because the recipes um, you know I need to be able to open the book and look at the recipes and decide which ones I and look at the photographs yes. and the experience um, on, on a Kindle was awful yes <laughs> so not every genre or every type no, of children's, book is... children's picture books yes um, f- food books uh, photography books obviously gardening books all of those kind of books that have very much a, um, a visual element I think um, publishers have quickly picked up that those are the ones that are going to um, um, outstay uh, the ebook uh, mm-hmm. revolution. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so when I think about purchasing a book um, or just acquiring a book, so mainly it's the bookstores here in, in the UAE, and um, but also there's libraries. Yes. So if you could share a little bit about libraries here in the UAE. Yes. Well, there are um, the Dubai Municipality or Dubai Culture, I think, are running the libraries at the moment. So there's libraries... Um, you know, strategically dotted about Dubai mm-hmm. and um, they are open for anyone to go and um, I think you just register and then you can borrow books uh, in English, in Arabic. I'm not sure how many French books or other languages they have, but I, I know mm-hmm. they do have some and um, they're, they're very, very well stocked and lovely places to visit. And we do have the amazing Mohammed bin Rashid Library, which is um, on the creek. It's been built on the creek mm-hmm. and I think is due to open later this year. And that will be in the true Dubai way. It's going to be the most stunning building and collection of books yes. uh, imaginable. Yes. And do you think that that will hopefully ignite a revolution or just uh, you know initiate something of a culture of reading here in the UAE even more? Well, I think it more? will give a definite focus to... Um, libraries, books, reading, authors, events, mm-hmm. um, and everyone will be, you know, um, uh, I think keen to come and visit, to go and visit the library and to sort of explore it because it will just be such a, such a pleasurable experience. Mm-hmm. And I think recently, over the past three or four years, there's been a trend towards really developing the cultural side of the offerings that we have um, here in Dubai and across the UAE, including so many museums, the Opera House, which has opened up, mm-hmm. the new library, which will be opening up. And there's a really you know, strong trend towards those kinds of things. And I was wondering, how has that impacted both the literature festival and just your interaction with residents here? Um, I think that, that there is... Um 
this is a very young country, mm. 46 years old. And I think that, like any good government, that the, 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 the rulers have focused very much on the, on the um, infrastructure of, of the UAE. So the roads, the hospitals, the schools, um, everything, you know, buildings, both uh, residential and commercial. Um, but now that the UAE is more established, there is time to think about what else do we need as a society? And that is where culture is very much an important part of um, the spirit of a society, that yes. we all crave culture, whether it be reading, whether it's art, you know, works of art, whether it's uh, design, whether it's photography. You know, there's so many different um, ways to enjoy culture. Mm-hmm. Great, great. So, Isabel, I want to switch gears really quickly and just ask a few uh, quick questions yes. for you. And then, uh, you know, we can wrap up from there. Thank but thank you, you so much. So, uh, what is your favorite genre? Uh, literary fiction. Okay. And do you have a favorite book within yes, that? Yes, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls by Ernest Hemingway. I've read it time and time again. And every time I read it, I take something else away from it. Um, I think uh, I take away and I marvel at the style of Ernest Hemingway who mm -hmm. is so spare so lean and yet paints such vivid pictures so you know he is for me a master of um, uh, writing uh, and it's not a happy story mm. uh, but it is a monumental story and really the main action takes place over four days uh, and those characters will live with me forever. Which book do you uh, give most often? Uh, it would be uh, probably picture books, children's picture books. And I absolutely love uh, The Gruffalo. I think that's a wonderful... Um, and we're going on a bear hunt. So I've probably given copies of those lots and lots of times mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's great. And um, besides all of the work that you do, um, and I'm, I imagine you're just so incredibly busy throughout the year, what do you do to unwind and recharge yourself? Read. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, can't get enough of it. Uh, no. If I am stressed, the, 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 the easiest and quickest way to relieve stress for me is to read because I immediately disappear into another world mm. um, and can forget, you know, whatever it is that uh, may be worrying me because I'm so caught up then in a story. And that's why I love literary fiction because literary fiction is all about characters. It's not mm. um, a plot-driven uh, normally in the way that crime thrillers are. I mean, I can read anything, uh, but the choice for me is generally literary fiction because I love the complexity of the characters that are created and often the fact that the writer doesn't finish the book with a neat ending and again mm. there you're left with questions so i do i really enjoy that mm -hmm. do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners um just uh listen to your heart if you have a passion think carefully about what you can do with that passion and you know don't give up on making your dreams a reality i've never i've never given up and it doesn't mean that um, you will always succeed, but you will have so much fun trying. And where can people go to learn more about the uh, Literature Festival and all the work that you're uh, doing? The easiest and quickest way is to go online to uh, www.emiratesLitFest.com. The whole program's up there. You can search by day, by author, by genre, um, and come along and be spoilt for choice. And also give, your, um, give yourself an opportunity 
to perhaps change the direction you're going in. It only takes one session, I can tell you. <laughs> Isabel, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. It's my pleasure. You can check out this episode's show notes on our website at streamsofprogress.com slash Emirates Lit Fest. We'd love to connect with you, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram or reach out via our website. If you can please take a few minutes to give us an honest rating on iTunes, this really makes a huge difference and improves our ability to reach more people in the UAE and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next week on Streams of Progress.